So glad that you're here as we're continuing this series, Faith Over Fear, talking about taking bold steps towards your destiny. If you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we've been looking at this verse in 1 Chronicles. Chapter 4 is kind of the springboard for our talk. Uh, If maybe for whatever reason you've missed the last few weeks, we're so glad that you're jumping in now. And I'll backtrack just a little bit to catch you up to speed. But this is really something that I believe is helping all of us to be who God's called us to be and to do what he's called us to do. Let me read as the opening passage here. First Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. It says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. She named him pain because of some experience, perhaps through just the, the uh, pregnancy process or through the delivery or something that happened soon after. There was something about that. We don't know the details. We don't know the specifics, but something about that caused her to look at him and, and think of pain, and so she names him pain, calls him Jabez, because I bore him in pain. Verse 10, and Jabez, also known as pain, called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, saying, God, that you would bless me, that you would expand my influence. That's what it means to enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not, look at this, that I may not cause pain. He was used to being known as pain. Every time somebody called his name, it reminded him of how he brought his mother pain. And Jabez, also a.k.a. known as pain, calls out to the Lord and says, oh God, that you would just bless me, that you would help me to have influence so I can make a difference, so that your hand would be on me, so that you would protect me, so that you would keep me from evil, so that I would not cause pain. He wanted the Lord's help. And the part that we're looking at today, he prayed that God would bless him. He prayed that God would enlarge his territory. And what we're going to focus on is when he prayed, and that your hand would be with me. What does it mean that your hand would be with me? For God's hand to be with you would would equal and be symbolic of God's favor being on you. When God's hand is on you, you are favored. When God's hand is on you, that equals God's blessing. When God's hand is on you, that equals God's provision. When God's hand is on you, that equals God's protection. How many of you today would love to say of your life, God's hand is on my life? Come on, just wave at me right now. If you say, yeah, I would love for God's hand to be on my life. There may be some of you, even as we're talking about this, when you look back over your life, there are things that have happened along the way that as you look back, you just have to stand back and shake your head and say, it must have just been that God's hand was on me. I should have been dead by now. I should have been in jail by now. I should have been strung out on drugs still. I should have been bound. But you look back and say, God's hand has been on me. Man, I was just a few days old. We were on the way home after, I guess, we left the hospital. I guess my parents had gone by my, my, my grandparents' house because I was just a few days old, and we were going from my grandparents' house to our home. I lived in Jackson, Mississippi, and, and we were taking the highway home, and there was a, a hill called Mile Hill. 
It's called Mile Hill because it was so long, so high, and, and from the, the bottom where you'd begin to ascend to climb the hill, and then you, you, you crest at the top and come down from the, the bottom of the one side to the bottom of the other is a mile long, and so it's just this long, tall hill, and as we were driving home, I was in the car with my mom, and my dad was in, 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 the, in, the, in the car behind us, and so a friend of ours was driving my mom and, and me in our car, in that car, and, and my mom was holding me in the front seat. And some of you are like, oh, that's illegal. No, no, back in the day, you know, before car seats, bubble wrap, you know, football helmets and everything that you have to wear now for it to be legal, right? Back in the day. So she was just holding me in her lap in, in the front seat. And as we got to the top of the mountain or the mountain of Mile Hill and started coming down, the car that we were in lost its brakes, Lost his brakes, and the guy who was driving was trying to take care of Buddy, but he lost control of the car, and we literally fell off the side there and started tumbling over and over and over and over and over all the way down to the bottom. You can only imagine what my dad was feeling as he was watching this, his wife and his newborn son just right before his very eyes, and he just sees this devastating car wreck. And so my dad pulls over to the side. He said, I didn't even have to run because it's so steep. You're just kind of falling down the hill to get down there. And when he got there, he found us, and there was not a scratch on any of us. Except my mom said that, she said, I was holding you like this. She said, I did kind of scratch your head with my fingernail, just right there, just a little bit. But outside of that, we were just fine. How many of you know that from day one, I can look back over my life, think the devil's been trying to stop me from the get-go, but God's hand has been on my life, and God is protecting me and watching over me. Jabez was looking back over his life. He goes, man, it's been filled with pain. It's been filled with painful memories or a constant reminder of the pain. And so he prays this bold prayer. Oh, God, that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my territory, and that your hand would be with me. You know, this is not only a bold prayer, but you know what's more impressive to me? Not the fact that Jabez prayed it, but the fact that God answered it. Oh, God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would help me. I don't want to cause pain. Give me influence to make a difference. Let your hand be on my life. And it says, so God granted him what he requested. He went from being, when he'd walk into a room, people would say, here comes pain. Hey, Jabez. Now when he walks into the room, they say, man, that's the dude that God's hand is on his life. How many of you know that every time you walk in a room, somebody thinks something? Did you know that? Now, they may not say it out loud, but they got some names for you. Can I just assure you right now? What do you want people to think when you walk into a room? What do you want people to say about you when you come into a room? I don't know about you, but here's what I would love for people to say about my life. I don't know a lot about Scotty, but one thing I know is God's hand is on his life. I want that kind of favor on my life. Do you want that kind of favor on your life? Well, this isn't a favor just for Jabez. We saw it last week, even as we were looking at the life of Abraham. Because God's hand was on Jabez, and God blessed him. He granted that request, and it wasn't just for Jabez. It was for Abraham. God blessed Abraham, and it says that Abraham prospered. It said that Abraham was wealthy. It said that Abraham had the Lord going with him and leading him and guiding him. 
And you could be tempted to think, oh, man, that was great for Jabez, and I'm excited for Abraham, but, man, apparently it's not for me because I don't have the favor of God on my life. Listen to what it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, so all, somebody say all. Come on, everybody say all. It says, so all who put their faith in Christ, listen to this, so all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. What kind of blessing? The same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. You know what? This isn't just for Jabez. This isn't just for Abraham. This is for all of us. And it's not that God gives his favor to his favorites. doesn't say that. God doesn't just uh, reserve his favor for his favorites. He gives his favor to the faithful. It says that God blessed Abraham, the blessing that Abraham received, he received it because of his faith. God doesn't play favorites. Now, I have an eight-year-old little girl named Angel, and she's always trying to corner me on who, her, who my favorite is. She's always asking me that. Dad, who's your favorite? And she's meaning like of her siblings, right? Who's your favorite? And, man, I'm always having, you know how you do as a parent. You're trying to duck it. You're trying to, like, work around that one, you know. And, like, oh, so I say, oh, you're my favorite angel. No, Dad, not like that. I mean, like, who's your favorite? Not your favorite angel. I'm like, oh, you're, you're my favorite eight-year-old. No, no, I don't want to know that. I want to know who's your favorite. She's always working at that, right, trying to get me. And so I'm, what I cannot communicate to her is that all of y'all are my favorites. Like, I love all of my children, but that's the way it is with God. He looks out, and he's not looking at you going, I like you, but the person next to him, I really love them. God's not doing that. But sometimes we feel like that because we look around, and other people seem to be blessed. And we're like, apparently God just likes them more than he likes me. But the devil is a liar. Listen, you can experience God's favor on your life. Do you want that today? Now, as we look back at Abraham's story, we're going to learn some lessons that we can pull out on how to experience God's favor. Let's look back at his story. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Can I just pause for just a moment to say that favor is fun, but favor is not for fun? Favor is for influence. In other words, God wants you to be favored, not so that everything can be easy. I mean, I love easy. I love fun. And I believe that when God's hand is on my life, there's a favor on my life, and life can be fun. But I've just discovered this with my journey with Jesus, is that God's number one goal is not my ease of life. Anybody else discover that? Like you're walking with God, and you're thinking, he could have made that easier. He just didn't. Anybody ever thought that before? To where God's leading you, he's working in your life, and you know that he's with you, but this is just hard. It's because favor doesn't equal always fun or easy. That's not the goal of it. The goal of favor is influence. He said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. For Jabez, he said, expand my influence. I want to make a difference. We're praying for favor. We're not just praying that everything would go easy. Sometimes we've reduced that word down a little bit, like favor. Kind of like, you know, when you're looking for a parking spot. Come on, you know you've done this before. You're looking for one, and then it opens up, and you get it, and you go, favor. Come on, you know you've done that before. 
Now listen, the holidays are coming up, and so you need to get your spiritual face on, your spiritual game, because some of y'all are going to be tested by the devil, because he's going to be messing with you. Your stress is high. You're circling the parking lot like a bunch of vultures, you know, just looking. You know how it is. You make eye contact. Somebody's on that end. You're on that end. You go ahead and hit your blinker first. Like, don't you even, you see my blinker on. You see I'm going right there. Don't you try and get in there. You know how you do all the tricks and everything, and Matter of fact, you may be the one I was doing that with one day in that parking lot. But anyway, you know, you're trying to get in there. But when you slip in, favor. As if to say, God likes me. Don't know what that says about you, but God likes me. But somebody's got to lose in a scenario like that. It's not always uh, limited. God wants you to have fun, but it's bigger than fun. It's so much deeper than that. For Abraham, God was saying, I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing to others. Look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What do we learn about Abraham on what it looks like to have the favor of God, the hand of God on your life? A few things. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, first point is this. It looks like spirit or supernatural guidance. What does it look like to have the favor of God on your life? Supernatural guidance. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. God said, go to the place that I'll show you. When my hand is on your life, I will lead you. I will direct you. Abraham received a supernatural guidance from God. He was being led by God's hand. He was being, his steps were being directed by God. And I want you to know, friend, that today the same thing is true for you, that when God ha God's hand is on your life, he will lead you. He will guide you. He will show you the direction to go. He will say when it's time to move. He will say when it's time to stop. He'll point you in a different direction and say, be careful right there because God's hand is on your life. He will favor you and he will guide you. How many of you are like me, you're like, that's good because I need all the help I can get. Anybody else in here like that? You know how often I think about that? Daily. Hourly. Hey, do you just find yourself in life just going through? Now, this one's got me stumped. You know, this one, I don't know exactly. Lord, I need you. It would be great for Jesus to weigh in right now on this one. Like as a, as a husband, as a, as, a, as a dad, as a pastor, as a, as a preacher, as a leader, I just find myself constantly going, God, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Should you go to this school or that school? Uh, should you take this job or that job? Uh, what decisions should you make? How should you handle this? When God is with you, when you don't know what to do, his favor and his hand will lead you to what you should do. I look back over my life and I look at where I am today. I look at the, 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 the wife that God blessed me with, my bride, my best friend. I look at the children that God has given me. I look at the life that we get to live. And I look back to today where I am compared to where I was and I go, how in the world did I get here except for the hand of God must have been on my life? Can you relate to that at all? Just as you look back, like when I first started off, like I remember at the beginning of the journey, I remember when I was still in Bible college and I knew that I wanted to be a youth pastor and, and, and I, so I started volunteering, just went to serve at a church, just volunteering, just wanted to help out with the youth. 
Then I remembered when they, they hired me to be the part-time youth pastor. Listen, y'all, I remember it like it was yesterday. And I can't remember a lot of things, but I remember how cool it felt. Listen, I had my own desk at the church. I had a little plaque that said, Pastor Scotty. I was so proud. I kept it. I still have it today. They said, Pastor Scotty. I had my own desk. They gave me my own desk, y'all. Now, granted, it was tucked away back in a closet, but I had my own desk, my own nameplate. They gave me a stapler. I was like, that's my stapler. I had paper clips. I had pens. I had markers. I had a desk calendar, you know, one of those big ones, you know, like across the desk. Like, I've got my own calendar. I didn't have anything written on it because I didn't have anything to do. I didn't know what to do. For real, on that first day, I'm there in the office. I'm like, whoo, here I am. I don't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. Then I was scared they're going to figure out. I didn't know what to do. So now I'm like putting stuff down on the counter like, make sure to schedule something tomorrow. You know, I'm trying to put stuff down on the calendar, keep rearranging my stapler, trying to just trying to get set up in here, trying to get everything ready. Probably put the stapler right here. Just trying to get, I didn't know what to do. Had about 10 students in the youth ministry. And yet I look back and I see how God helped me. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to preach. I'm not from a family of preachers. I'd never been a preacher. I'd never been a pastor. I'd, I'd never been an intern in ministry. I didn't know what to do. God's hand was on me. He was helping me. Our student ministry began to grow, grew to 100, grew to 200, 300, 500, grew to over 1,000 students. And, and then all of a sudden I had opportunities to, to travel and speak. And, and I'm just saying that as I look at the life of where I am today and how God has allowed me to be a part of his kingdom of Lord, I look back at where I started, I look at where I am today, and I say, I know me too well. This must have been the hand of God. Aren't you thankful for the hand of God on your life? As it is, he will guide you. He'll lead you into his plan. He'll lead you into his purpose. He'll lead you into the destiny that he has for your life. Somebody say favor. There's a second thing that we see in Abraham's story. Not only see supernatural guidance, we see supernatural blessings. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says, I will make you into a great nation. What kind of a nation? A great nation. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And God was going to do this by blessing Abraham and Sarah with a son. They were going to bless, God was going to bless them with a son. And some of you are thinking, that's no supernatural blessing. Like I got three of them, ain't none of them blessings. Like some of you, you're thinking, don't do it, Abe, don't do it. You know, but no, you got to understand, they couldn't have children. Sarah was barren. And at this point of the story, Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. Now, how many you guys are understanding where the supernatural comes from right now, right? He's 100. She's 90. God says, I'm going to bless you, make you to a great nation. Nations will come from you. I'm going to bless your offspring. And they're going, man, that sounds great, except for we don't have any kids and we can't have kids. But as it goes on in the story in Genesis 17, shortly after that, Sarah gets pregnant, gives birth to their son, Isaac. And their son, his birth, his life was a supernatural blessing from God. God. Let me just say to you today, friends, when you're going through life and it just feels like the odds are stacked against you, 
When it feels like that you are facing a way where there seems to be no way. When you find yourself looking down a street that just looks like one massive dead end. When you look at your life and you just feel buried by your problems. When you look at your addictions and you wonder, how could I ever get out of this? When you look at the dysfunction of something going on in your home and go, we can never be a healthy family. When you're looking at your finances and just thinking, I will never get my head above water. I want you to know that when the hand of God is on your life, the favor of God can be an operation in your life and things that would be impossible otherwise become possible because of the supernatural protection, provision, and guidance and blessing that comes from having the hand of God on your life. Do you believe that today, that God can bless you and that he will bless you. Well, I know that when we hear that, all of that say, I could use a couple of scoops of that right there. How do you sign up for that? It really leads to the question, and it's important that we answer it. How do you get God's hand on your life? Is there something I can do? Are there three easy steps? Or if I do this, this, and this, all of a sudden the hand of God is on my life? And, and I want to make sure that you understand this. Favor is not something that you can earn but it is something you can forfeit. Favor is something that you can't deserve, but you can position yourself to receive it. Is this making sense to you today? It's not, so if I'll just show up at church more, all of a sudden God will like me more. God can't like you any more than he likes you right now because he's crazy about you. Well, if I just gave a little more in the offering, maybe God would kind of smile at me at my work a little bit more. You know, I give him a little bit, he gives me a lot of bit. Like, what if we do that? Would that be okay? Listen, you can't do anything to earn or deserve God's favor, but his scripture is very clear that you can do something to position yourself to receive it, or you can make decisions that will cause you to forfeit the favor of God. So what does that look like? What does it mean? Well, just as we're looking at Abraham's life, here are some things that we learn and say, things that we see that this is what leads to favor. Point number one would be this. A fully surrendered people listen to God's voice. That was true of Abraham. Fully surrendered people listen to God's voice and they receive God's favor. Listen, back to verse one again. Look at what it says. It says, the Lord said to Abraham... Go from your country, your people, and the Father's household to the land. I will show you. You see, surrendered people seek the voice of God and listen to his voice. God's voice came to Abraham, and he heard it, and he obeyed it. When we're surrendered to God, when we're seeking God's voice, when we're listening to him speak over and above any and every other voice in our lives, the favor of God will follow. But did you catch that little disclaimer I just said right there? over any other voice. Anybody else have other voices in your life? Social media, voice. News, voice. Politics, Washington. Election, voices. Mother-in-law, voices. Don't say amen, but voices. Spouses, voice. Neighbors, voice. Bosses, voice. Listen, we got to be careful to not allow all the voices in this world to drown out the voice that we're supposed to be listening to. God doesn't say, if I just listen to everybody else's plan for fantasy football, I'm going to make a good draft and get it all figured out. But he says this, if you'll follow my voice in your life, you will have my hand on you and my favor will go before you. I want the favor of God on my life, which means I've got to quiet the other voices so I can hear his voice. 
Above all else, I've got to listen to him. So if somebody says something that's contrary to his word, if it contradicts his word, guess what? That voice loses. Because it's got to be in alignment with his voice and his word. You know, the humbling thing, kind of the sad thing, the scary thing is sometimes it's not somebody else's voice that's contradicting what God is saying. Sometimes it's my, uh, my own voice. Have you ever had that happen before? To where you're like, it's not something somebody else is saying. It's me. It's me wanting to have a different idea or a different plan. And guys, I'm just being, I know you're more spiritual than this. I can tell because I see your halo. I know that you're so much more spiritual than this. But for me, I am an expert. I am a professional. I am an Olympic gold medalist at making excuses and justifying things in my life that I don't want to do. I'm good at it. I can rationalize it, I can justify it, I can explain it away, or if I want the favor of God on my life, I can quit talking and listen and follow. Because we need his voice, I need his voice. I need his voice speaking in my life on how I can be a good husband. Listen, I want the favor of God on my life and I want the favor of God in my marriage. I wanna be the husband I'm supposed to be, but I can't do it without his help. God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to guide me. I need you to tell me what to do. Some of you guys are like, man, that's just it, man. Guys and girls, they just communicate differently, man. That just, yeah, it's going to take a miracle. You're right. Marriage is going to be hard. Can I get a witness, right? Marriage is going to be hard. But God wants my marriage to be blessed. And he says it will be blessed. Listen to me about your marriage. And so it causes me to lean into his voice. And say, God, speak to me on how to serve my spouse. I want God's favor on my children. I want God's blessing on my kids. I love my kids. I want the favor of God on my kids. Which means, God, I've got to hear your voice on how to parent them. Because parenting is hard. Come on, you ever thought that before? It was like, Lord, I know you know everything. But when you gave me these, I don't know what you were thinking. Have you ever thought that before? God, I don't know what to do. But he'll speak to you. He'll listen. He'll, 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 if you're listening, he'll speak. He'll show you. And when he does, if you will do what he says, you will find favor in your parenting. You will find favor in your financing. When God's word speaks to you and says, this is what I want you to do with your money, and yet all of the world is shouting, do this with your money, do that with your money, do that. When you listen to those voices instead of his voice, you have just forfeited his favor. You stepped out from under his hand, and you're in your place. And then we get over here and go, God, I just don't know why I can't pay the bills. Don't you know heaven just has to laugh sometimes when he's saying, hey, take this path, and you'll get there. And we go, how about I get over here and get over there? He's like, yeah, it ain't, ain't going to get you there. And we're going over here going, God! Why'd you leave me? Come on, don't you know sometimes God's going, no, the path, like I said, right here, just this right here. God will speak to you if you'll listen. The number one way that we hear his voice is by listening to his word. God speaks through his word. That's why you got to get into his word and you got to get his word into you. Secondly, what leads to a life of favor? Fully surrendered people go when God says, go. In other words, when God speaks and says, this is what I want you to go and do, you go and do it. Genesis chapter 12, verse 4, it says, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. God said, go. Abraham went. Listen, it is awful hard to do God's will without God's help. 
But when I live with a fully surrendered life that says, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. God's favor will follow my obedience. And I don't know about you, but for me, I find it difficult at times when I look at where I am and then something that God is telling me to do. And I look at where I am, and I'm looking, like, I'm looking at that chasm. I'm looking at that, that big space, and I'm going, I can't jump from here to there. Or sometimes God speaks something to our hearts, and we look at it and go, man, I cannot get to the top of that mountain. That climb is too steep. There's no way I can get there. Or God speaks to our heart, and we say, I can never run through that brick wall. It's impossible. There's no way I can do it. And yet what God speaks to us is, listen, when I call you to go, if you will obey just like Abraham did, when you will obey and go, even when you don't know all of the steps, all of the details, all the specifics, when you trust me and you obey me, he says, my supernatural blessing, my hand, my favor will be on your life and will enable you and empower you to do everything that I'm calling you to do. Have you ever found that to be true in your life? I know it is in mine. And here's what I've discovered about his favor is that favor doesn't come without a fight. Favor doesn't come without a fight. It's a struggle between where Jabez was and the favor he experienced. There's a fight. He's got to fight through his pain. He's got to fight through his past. He's got to fight past all of the things that have been said about him or to him. All the, he had to fight through all of that to get to, to the favor that God had for him. Abraham's the same thing. It wasn't like God just said, okay, do this. Abraham's like, oh, that's easy. Let's just go. Where are we going? I don't know. It just sounds fun to uproot all of us and just go and do this. We don't know where we're going. God just said, go. That's not easy. It's scary. I've learned in my life, if I want favor to be on my marriage, I've got to fight for favor instead of fighting with my spouse. I've got to fight through selfishness. I've got to fight through self-centeredness. I've got to fight through my insecurities. For favor to be on my parents with my children. I need to quit shouting at my children. I need to fight for favor in there. And I need to pray that God would give me insight. That God would give me wisdom. And when God says, this is what I want you to do. Put your preferences to the side and go sow and invest some love. Sow some concern. Listen to them. Care about what they care about. Listen, I have to fight through the way I feel. But on the other side of that fight is the favor. Favor doesn't come easily. You want it? God wants you to have it you got to be willing to surrender yourself fully and wholly to Him. But a surrendered life is a blessed life. And you'll find that God will begin speaking to you about things that you're supposed to do. And even though it seems insurmountable or impossible or just there's no way as you obey, God's favor will be with you. My family and I, we, we live in Ozark, Missouri. And I don't, some of you may not know that you thought, man, dude, you don't live here. You sure preach a lot to not even be here. It's because I'm a part of the preaching team here at People's Church. I'm a part of the executive team here at People's Church. So over the last few years, as my family lives in Ozark, Missouri, not only did you not know, some of you didn't know I lived in Ozark, some of you like, where is Ozark? Is that even a real place? It's kind of like Pastor Herbert and Wewoka, and that's kind of my Wewoka, that's kind of Ozark, right? There's very few people know about it, right? And so we've lived there for over 20 years. And uh, all of Casey's family side, side of the family, that they were there. And all of my side of the family, you know, we, we were there just for, for several decades. And, man, our, our roots are so deep. But I love coming to People's Church. I love it when I started getting opportunities to come and preach. Herbert's been a dear friend. And, and when we would talk and we'd dream, he's like, man, next year, do you think that you could come a little bit more often? I was like, man, I'd love it because we just love doing life together. Uh, I respect him as a preacher. He's a great preacher. 
I respect him as a leader. He is a very gifted leader, very, very gifted leader. I respect him uh, as a dad, as a husband. I watch the way he handles his family, the way he leads his home. I just respect him. Besides that, we're just buddies. We're best friends. So I love, I love Herbert. And he's like, man, why don't, why don't you just move here? Let's just do more of this. I'm like, hey, why don't you move to Ozark and we can do more of this there. And uh, he said, man, what would it take for God to ever? I was like, Coop, man, listen, this just won't work. Listen, my whole family's here. We've been here for, for decades. And, and it just, you know, all of our worlds, right? This is the only house my children have ever even known. Like, we've lived in the same house, in the same community forever. And he said, what would it take? I said, man, it would take just a supernatural call of God to do it. And, man, the Lord's been speaking to our hearts. And, and Pastor Herbert's like, man, I told you, I was praying. I was calling out to God. This January, my family and I, we're going to leave Ozark, and we're going to come and go full-time here at People's Church, and we've already started the process of relocating. We can't wait. We're so excited because we love you. We love this church. We love the leadership. We're thrilled. We're honored to be a part. But can I tell you that the reason I'm able to do it is not because it's easy. This is hard. I feel like all of hell is coming against us right now, for real. I really mean that. Some of you are like, you mean most of hell? No, I said all of hell. I feel like all, every demon, they've been called out. I just feel like every one of them are chasing us. I'm willing to fight through it, though, because I believe that the favor is worth it. And I believe if we'll obey God and go where we're supposed to go, as hard as it is to leave family, as hard as it is to leave our home, I believe that God's going to bless us. And our excitement is about what we get to be a part of and the favor and the blessing that awaits us. I just know that's not just true for us. That's true for all of us. God's speaking to some of you to go. You need to go to that interview. You need to go to the school. You need to go and, and, and try and get that job. You need to go. You need to say, I'm sorry. You need to go and say, please forgive me. You need to go and write that note. You need to go and make that call. But if you're anything like me, between where we are and what God's calling us to do, there's this huge gap. You go, I just don't know. But the favor, the supernatural ability empowers us to do what we're supposed to do. When you say, this doesn't make sense. It's not comfortable or easy. But God, I will go when you tell me to go. For Abram, God said, give. Abram gave a tenth of all he had to the Lord to worship the Lord. It's called the tithe. And whenever he did that, it's a model for all of us that God will say some things to you at times that you go, 10%? I thought God had everything. Well, he does. He wants you 10% too. What else does he need? Because it's not about me or it's not about him needing something from me. It's about him teaching me how much he wants to favor and help me. He's saying, listen here, I want to I wanna bring you along. I want to use you. I want you to be a part of it. I want to favor you. I want to bless you. I want to work in you. I want to work through you. I want my hand to be on your life. Now I want you to step out and I want you to give. And I remember as a family, as we're giving, like before we even got married, I was a tither. Somebody taught me that early on. So I was a tither. First 10% because I thought 10%, we good now, right? 10%, all right. So I did that. You know, it's kind of like minimum, as if it's like minimum investment so you're not mad. And God was teaching me it's not about that. I don't need you 10%. 10% of uh, 39 cents that you're making right now. I don't need it. But it wasn't about what he needed. It was about what I needed. So he started stretching me going, it's not about the tithe. It's about you obeying whatever I tell you to give. 
So we started having chances to do things like the miracle offering, the one that's going to come up here on, on December 2nd, here in, in just a few weeks here at People's Church, where God would speak to our hearts to step out and do something. And I got so many stories, y'all, so many stories, but I'll tell you one quick one. It's one time where the Lord spoke to our heart and told us we were supposed to give $500. And as a family, I kicked into all the reasons why I was going to explain to God why I would typically go ahead and do that. But in this case, here's why I can't and why I'm not. But the favor doesn't come from me convincing God I've got a better idea. The favor comes from the faith that says, I'm going to step out and go when you say go. I'm going to give when you say give. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And I'm just going to trust that you're going to help me. And so we stepped out and we did it. We gave $500. It's a near-death experience for me. I just nearly died a hundred times through that process. I was at lunch and I was walking out of the restaurant and this guy called out to me and I stopped. He's kind of following me out. He introduced himself to me. I'd never met that dude before in my life. And he said, hey, I feel like God wanted me to bless you with something. So he, he gives me like this. He had his hand. He, he had money in his hand. So he hands me this money. And so I'm holding that money. I'm thinking, this is awkward. What do you do? Do I say, okay, well, let's just see what we're dealing with. Do I count it? Like, is that what you do there in the moment? Do you just say, spread it out? Okay, what we got? A couple of tens. All right. I didn't know what to do. So he said, I want to bless you. So I was like, oh, man, thanks. So we just talked there for a few minutes. And after we got done talking, I was like, all right, you know. And I went and I got in my car and I started unfolding. And it was five $100 bills, $500. And I'm just telling you, how many of you know, he could have said, hey, I want to bless you. I'm paying for your lunch. I would have been like, wow, that's awesome. He could have said, hey, I want to bless you. I'm going to pray for you. Bless him, Lord. That would have been great. But how many of you know that God was up to something? It wasn't about anything except for God just showing me, trust me. You do what I tell you to do. You go where I tell you to go. You give what I tell you to give. My hand's going to be on you, not because you can earn my favor, but because you choose to position yourself to receive it. When you do what I tell you to do, you watch how I bless you. I don't know about you guys, but when I just think about that story, it's just a reminder to me. You can't outgive God. Anytime you do what he tells you to do, he is going to take care of you. He is going to favor you. He is going to bless you. He's going to use you. You're going to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. Favor is not for my fun. It is fun, but it's for influence. God wants to use you. He wants to use you as a family. We're going to get together and pray about the miracle offering. And for some of you, that's newer terminology. You're like, what is that even about? That's where we get together as a church. December 2nd, we're going to do this. And we're all going to give sacrificially, generously, excitingly. We're going to give this. And it goes towards things like the 100 children that we sponsor in Haiti. We give them food. We give them clothes. We tell them about Jesus just one of the things. God behind bars where we reach out to people who are desperately needing Jesus' help, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. And so that's one of the things that we're doing as we're sowing seed in that we're seeing all kinds of story of changed lives. It's incredible. Just a couple of things that are going on. As we're doing that, as we give the miracle offering, it's helping us to start other churches all over America. Literally over 100 churches that just this year that we've been able to be a part of helping to start. That's the kind of stuff that happens from the miracle offering. But God's going to speak to you not because he's worried about the offering. God's going to speak to you because he's going, hey, I want to set my hand on your life. It's not just for my select few favorites. I want to work through you like that. But I want you to be fully surrendered to me. Step out and trust me. If you'll do that, watch what God does.